All right, we've been in a series called Courageous, and uh, we'll go ahead and put up this definition. Uh, Courageous, again, it's the ability to face danger, difficulty, uncertainty, or pain without being overcome by fear or deflected from a chosen course of action. If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30. We'll get there in a couple minutes. I feel like my job in this series is to uh, give you a push, right? Just give you a little nudge, give you a little push. A lot of times, um, to be courageous and to do something courageous, I just, I find myself in that role all the time. I'm always trying to get people to do something crazy or do something courageous, step out and take a risk. And so that's kind of, in a way, how I see myself as a pastor. Um, But I have a video to help illustrate this. So JD, if you would go ahead and roll that. Thank you. No other females jumped from here, have they? No. You know it's going to be scary, but you know you're going to be okay, and that's all that matters. That you will be okay. <laughs> you know, most girlfriends don't have to have this talk with their boyfriends. <laughs> okay. It's all you, honey. Don't leave yet. Okay. okay. You don't have to jump if you don't want to. I don't know if I want to. But you know, this will be the coolest single experience of your life. I know, this is also the scariest thing I've ever done. Yeah. Alright, here we go! Oh no, Devin! Not yet! Not yet! Hold on. Oh, you have to respect the countdown. Five! I'm not gonna jump. I don't know if I can jump. I'll count down to zero. If you choose not to jump, I'm totally fine with you not jumping. Five, four, three, two, one, zero! Come on, ready? You can! You can! You are so hardcore! You are so hardcore! Four, three, two, one, zero! I can do this. Kenny, I don't think I can do it. Three, two, one, zero! I can't do it. Two, one, zero! I can't do it. You can, you can, you can, you can! Two, one, zero! Maybe somebody else could just go. Two, one, zero! I can't do it. Two, one, zero! I don't even want to jump. Two, one, zero! I don't want to do it. Three, two, one, zero. I don't want to do it. Put the other hand on the rope. No, I don't. Take six inch step to the right. Just start right there on the edge. Just like that. Honey, I don't want to do it. Put the two hands on the rope. No, I love you, right? No, please don't push me off. Please right. don't. I am not. I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm not going to push you. I'm not going to push you. But if you stand here for more than 10 more seconds, I will. <laughs> Three. Two. What'd she say? I just got dumped. <laughs> Was it worth it? <laughs> it will be worth it. Someday she'll thank me. So can I can I have her number? <laughs> that's that's kind of how I see myself. The, if you didn't hear the last thing that guy said, the other guy asked, "Can you have her number?" So <laughs> that's kind of how I see myself. Give give you a little nudge, give you a little push. That's part of what this series is for. So, 
priceless. All right. We're going to get into 1 Samuel 30. Before I do that, I need to give you a little bit of backstory. Um, David was king, or before David was king, he went into hiding from King Saul. Saul was trying to kill David because of his jealousy, his envy, and really his insecurity. And the Lord had actually rejected Saul as king, and David was anointed as king, which is a conflict when the, when the uh, first king is still alive and then there's a new one that's been anointed. That's a conflict. Um, David <coughs> fled to the Philistine territory, which, by the way, was the enemies of Israel at the time. He went to a town called Ziklag. When David first went into hiding, he had 400 men join him, and his army eventually grew to 600 men, and there were also women and children that accompanied them. Uh, David's men were planning on, uh, the Philistines were going to go into fighting uh, to fight the Israelites, and David had actually become allies with the Philistines at that point, and David was actually going to go and fight with the Philistines against Israel. Um, but because the Philistines did not trust David, um, they told, the, the Philistine commanders told David, you need to turn back because we don't want you fighting with us because we think in the middle of the battle you're going to turn on us. And so they sent them back to Ziklag, which is the town in the Philistine territory. So this is where we pick up 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 through 6. It said this. So the men were sent back to Ziklag. It happened that when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negev and, the, and Ziklag and overthrown Ziklag and burned it with fire. They took captive the young, uh, took captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone. They carried them off and went on their way. When David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people were filled, uh, lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep. That's a bad day. You can't even cry because you're, you're so tired of crying. You don't have any strength left. Verse 5. Now David's two wives had been taken captive. I can't pronounce her name. The uh, Jezreitess and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Camerlite. Moreover, David was distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all the people were embittered, each one because his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So David's men, they're so distressed, they're so bitter, they're crying until there's no strength left in them, and then they want to kill him. He hears these rumors of them wanting to kill him, and then David finds strength in the Lord. He encourages himself in the Lord. The King James Version says um, he encouraged himself in the Lord. This, the NIV says he strengthened himself in the Lord. Have you ever been in a season, where you're going through a hard season, and you looked around for someone to encourage you, but your friends couldn't do it, your spouse couldn't do it, your kids couldn't do it, your church couldn't do it, your small group couldn't do it, and maybe even your pastor couldn't do it. There was no one around you to encourage you, and when they tried to encourage you, it didn't work. Have you ever been in a season like that? So what do you do? Sometimes you have to have some self-serve courage. Sometimes you have to put courage in yourself when no one can do it. The title of my message today is Strengthen Yourself. Now, I firmly believe that you will not get to where you're going in life without being surrounded by the right people. We're actually called to be 
in a community of people and we're called to give courage and strengthen one another. I firmly believe that's true. We're not gonna get where we're going without the right people in our life. But I also firmly believe that you'll not get where you're going in life if you're not able to encourage yourself and the Lord from time to time. There are situations where it just doesn't work and you have to, for lack of a better term, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and in the Lord, encourage yourself. Because here's the deal, even when people try to put courage in you, it's not gonna stick unless you have something within you, some tenacity in the Lord to retain that. It's, otherwise, you're gonna be like a, a bucket with a hole in it. It's just gonna leak right out. Okay, so the Lord wants to develop this courage in us, this ability to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Let me tell you a little bit about Ziklag, this town that they were in. When David was in Ziklag, he was in Ziklag for one year and four months. And this is the situation that David was in. David was rejected by the house of Saul because of Saul's jealousy, envy, and insecurity. You know you're having a bad day when the king that you've loved and served rejects you and wants to kill you. Then David goes to a town in, uh, in Judea that was being attacked by the Philistines. David inquires of the Lord. He says, Lord, this, this town's being attacked by the Philistines. Shall we go help them? And the Lord said, yes, go help them. We'll, you'll, you'll prevail. So he goes to this town, fights on behalf of this town, delivers them from the Philistines, and then he's there in that town. And then David hears that Saul, Saul is coming. Saul heard that you're here. He's on his way with his armies. David inquires of the Lord again and says, Lord, are these, are these people of the city, are they going to turn me over to Saul? And the Lord says, actually, they are. <laughs> the people that he just rescued are now planning on turning him over to Saul. So David gets this right idea. I should probably leave, right? You know, it's a bad day when you're rejected by your own countrymen. Then David tries to fight along, the Philistine, fight along with the Philistine army, but the commanders didn't trust him, so they told him to leave. And you know you're having a really bad day when your enemy's enemy rejects you. So he's rejected by Saul, he's rejected by his own countrymen, he's rejected by the Philistines, and now he's back in Ziklag. His wife, all the wives, the children have been taken captive, the city's burned down, and the men that David had, these 400 men that David had, were now murmuring of killing him. I want to tell you about these men that David, these 400 men, well, actually became 600 men that David was with. They're an interesting bunch of people. 1 Samuel chapter uh, 22, verses 1 through 2, it says this. When David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam, when his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. Okay, so if you're building an army, this isn't like really your first choice of people that you want in your army. Like these, they, they couldn't pay their bills. They're in, they're in distress. They're discontent. These are the people that David got. Basically, these people had nothing better going on. And because you have nothing better going on. When you go out into the wilderness to be with David, who's fleeing, like you got nothing better going on. These were 400 losers, essentially. <laughs> David had 400 losers come to him. It's like, well, you got to work with what you have, right? They weren't like this amazing squad of, of fighting men. But later on, these men actually became David's mighty men. So there's another lesson there in leadership for another time. David took these 400 losers and made them his mighty men. But these men who David had poured himself into for years are now wanting to kill him. They're rejecting him. So David's rejected by Saul, the king he loved and served. David's rejected by his own countrymen 
who he saved from the Philistines. He was rejected by the Philistines. And then his own men, who he'd been mentoring and pouring himself into for years, are now wanting to kill him. That's a bad day, right? Wives are gone. Kids are gone. Cities burned down. Bad day. This is a perfect opportunity to write a country song, right? <laughs> Good place to write a country song. It's in this, con- just to give you an idea, when, when the Bible says David strengthened himself in the Lord, it's not like, oh, I'm kind of having a rough day. Well, I'll strengthen myself. No, he's having a terrible day. Like he's been in exile for a while. This is a terrible day. It's in that context that he strengthened himself in the Lord. He looked around and, and realized like, oh, there's, there's literally no one here to put courage in. And courage means to put courage in. Discourage means to take courage out. There was no one around him to put courage in at that moment. David had something in himself to encourage himself, okay? God wants that for you and me. There are times where there is no one around you to put courage in, and he wants us to be the kind of people that can strengthen ourselves in the Lord. It's how we become mature. It's interesting to me that the Bible doesn't say exactly how David strengthened himself in the Lord. I feel like when it says he strengthened himself in the Lord, there should be like a whole chapter that says like the things he did. You know, that would be really helpful, I think. (laughs) What exactly did you do? It's just that he strengthened himself in the Lord. We'll get to the story. We'll come back to the story here in a minute. But it doesn't say exactly how he did that. But I, I think from the life of David, we can extrapolate some of the things and the ways that David was um, that will give us some insight into how he might have strengthened himself in the Lord. And there's some other scriptures in the Bible that I just want to touch on real quick here that um, will help us kind of extrapolate the how this man strengthened himself in the Lord. So I'm going to give you a few things today. How to strengthen yourself in the Lord. Point number one, remember God's promises. When you're in Ziklag and everything is imploding on your life, remember the promises of God. David was somewhere between eight years old and 15 years old when Samuel the prophet came to him and anointed him as king. When, David, uh, when, when, when Samuel came to uh, Jesse to anoint one of his sons as king, they didn't even bring David in from the field. He had seven older brothers that they lined up and, and Samuel's gonna, prophet, you know, gonna anoint one of them and he goes by each one of them and says, that's not the one, that's not the one, that's not the one. Don't, don't you have any more sons? Yeah, there's one in the field. He's the youngest. Bring him in here, you know? He's the one. They didn't even bother to bring him in from the field. They didn't think, oh, surely this isn't the next king. But David had to remember that he was anointing as king when, between the ages of 8 and 15. So when he's in Ziklag, he couldn't have possibly been killed because he'd been anointed to be the next king of Israel. He had to remember the promises of God. First Samuel chapter 16, verses 6 through 7, it says this. When they arrived, this is when Samuel was going to anoint David. When they arrived, Samuel saw Elab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Okay? David knew he couldn't die in Ziklag because the Lord had seen his heart and seen that he needs to be the next king. 20 years, by the way, this is 20 years prior. So there's a promise he had from God 20 years prior, and he's about to step into this, to this promise he had. Your promises are important. The promises God has spoken over you, the desires of your heart. That's another way I would say that God leads you. Sometimes it's a promise. Sometimes it's a desire of your heart. You have a burning passion for something. Sometimes that's how God leads us. Okay, your promises are important. 
when, I'll give you one example in my own life. When things get hard here at the church, or before we launched the church, you know, there was, it was not easy. <laughs> it's not easy starting a church. When, when things get hard, I have this, this is what I go back to. And I've told this story, if you've ever gone through our, through our um, Empower class, in the Belong uh, portion of it, the first part, the, our Belong class, I tell this story that I knew we were transitioning um, from our last season to a new season. I didn't know what was next for us. And I went out on a run one day, and I'm like, Lord, what do you want with our lives? You know, I could, be, I could stay in ministry. I can go to another church. I can get a nine-to-five. I don't need ministry for my identity. I don't need it to be okay, but I enjoy it. Lord, what do you want us to do next? And that's when I had what I call the Rolodex vision. And I saw individual faces pop up in my mind's eye. A man, a woman, a young man, an old, you know, young woman. All different ages, all different ethnicities. And as I'm running, I ask the Lord, Lord, what are... What are you showing me? What is this? And what I felt the Holy Spirit speak to my heart was, these are the faces of the individuals that will come to faith through your ministry. They're currently lost and separated from me, but they're going to come to faith through your ministry. And that's when, it was at that moment, that I knew that starting a church in Greeley wasn't just a good idea, it was a God idea. That became a promise that I stood on. Okay, God, it's for, it's for souls. It's for, it's for people that need a family. It's for people that need to come into a family. They're, they're going to come to faith through this ministry. So when things got hard for me, I was like, no, I have a promise. When, when we do this, people are going to walk through those doors. People are going to put their faith and trust in Jesus. Same thing with the promises. It'll give you uh, a tenacity and, a, and, and be able to stick to the things when things get hard if you have a promise from the Lord. Okay, so that's point number one. How to strengthen yourself in the Lord. Remember God's promises. Point number two. Realize that praise is a weapon. Joy basically preached this point, And I've done sermons on this point before. But praise is a weapon. David, of course, we know David was a worshiper. David was an avid worshiper. This pattern that David had probably started way back when David was out in the field with the sheep, right? By himself. David became a worshiper at a very young age. He was out in the fields watching sheep. There is something powerful about worshiping through pain and during the storm. The Bible says, let us bring a sacrifice. We bring a sacrifice of praise. Listen, it's not a sacrifice to bring praise when everything is going good. Right? <laughs> it's not a sacrifice. Like when life is going great, it's not really a sacrifice to praise the Lord. When things are tough, that's when it's a sacrifice of praise. Okay? When you're, when you're praising through the storm, when you're praising through the pain, that's a sacrifice. And I will say this. There's an opportunity in that moment that you won't have at another time. You have an opportunity when you're going through something hard to actually praise God and declare he's good even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of trial, in the midst of tension and ambiguity. There's a, there's, a, there's a sacrifice you can give him in that moment that you otherwise couldn't give. So praise is a weapon, okay? Praise is a weapon. It puts your focus on God. So uh, that's good. It's huge in strengthening you. That's huge in strengthening yourself in the Lord. You want to be someone who gives courage to yourself, strengthens yourself, Lord, be a, give praise and worship to God. Okay, point number three, how to strengthen yourself in the Lord. Remember your testimonies. Remember the testimonies and remember other people's testimonies around you. I think David remembered the fact that he had killed a lion, that he had killed a bear, and that he had killed Goliath. In that moment, he's like, these men want to kill me. I think he remembered his testimonies. When we remember what God has done in our lives, it actually points on a trajectory. It's like, okay, God, you've been faithful here. 
it's pointing towards faithful, right? I noticed something uh, a, a couple weeks ago in, in, in my own life. I was worried about a situation, and I was thinking, I was, I was imagining an outcome that wasn't, like, good. And I realized that the, what God had brought me through in the past doesn't line up with what I'm looking at in the future. I'm like, there's a discrepancy between the faithfulness of God, what he's brought me through, and what I'm imagining in the future. You know you're in fear when you're imagining a future without God in it. When you're imagining a future without God in it, that is what, what fear is. And I'm imagining this not going to turn out good, this outcome. I'm like, wait a minute. If I look at the past, I look what God's brought me through. If I look at his faithfulness, I see a clear line of trajectory. It's going to keep going in that direction. Remember those testimonies because, listen, it's, uh, Revelation 19.10 says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we, when we testify of the things that Jesus has done, it actually prophesies he's a good God. And it says if he did it once, he can do it again. If he did it for one, he can do it for others. Okay. That's why testimony is so important. That's why it's so important for us to provoke and stir one another up in our faith. When we tell testimony, it declares he's good. He did it once, he can do it again. He did it for one, he can do it for others. Testimony is huge, it's important. And it points you on a trajectory. Our, in fact, our trajectory goes right into eternity. Right? We have a trajectory of following God. We're going after him. He's good, he's faithful, he's good. There comes a day where you die. That trajectory continues into eternity. He's still faithful. He's still good. There's just a transition of, of where your life is. Amen? So it's good. Remember testimonies. Okay, point number four. How to strengthen yourself in the Lord. Pray in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is self-serve courage. Now I would say this. Pray always over all things and all ways, but especially pray in the Spirit. We read this verse last week, but I'll touch on it again, and then we'll go to the next verse after it. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 3, it says this, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Okay, we talked about that last week. How prophecy gives courage. It gives strengthening, courage, and comfort to people. When we, when it, if you have a genuine prophetic word, it should produce that. Watch the next verse, verse 14. Or verse 4, sorry. 1 Corinthians 14, 4. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. Okay. Do you need some self-serve courage? Pray in the Spirit. Do you need some self-serve strength? Pray in the Spirit. Almost every time I'm driving to church for a service, almost every time I'm, I'm praying in the Spirit. Almost every day I'm praying in the Spirit. And I don't think a service has gone by when I'm up here on the front doing praise and worship where I'm not praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. It's super important. Go ahead and put up that definition of the word edify. This is the Greek definition. It comes from two Greek words, a house and to build. To build a house or a home, figuratively to edify Literally, to build someone up, helping them to stand, be strong, or be sturdy. Okay, so prophesying gives strength to people. But praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, actually edifies yourself. It builds yourself up. It's good. Self-serve courage. You need some courage? You need to strengthen yourself in the Lord? Pray in the Spirit. Just something about that produces strength in you. When, I, when I'm going to a meeting or I'm, I've got something difficult I'm facing, I'll pray on the way to that meeting or whatever. I'll pray in the Spirit on the way to that meeting. I'll pray in tongues. It gives courage, self-serve courage. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> because we need strength on each side. That's why. 
Okay, so what happened to David? We'll get to the end of the story here. I'll read this again, or for Samuel 36 through 8 again. Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. Look at verse 7. Then, everyone say then. Then David said to Abathar the priest, son of the Amalekite. Sorry, I can't pronounce any of these words. Bring me the ephod. The ephod, by the way, was something the priests wore um, when they were ministering before the Lord. Um, so Abathar brought the ephod to David. David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? And he said, Pursue, for you will surely overtake them, and you will surely rescue all. We can go on to read this. You can go on to read this later. But David and his men did pursue that band of raiders, and they overtook them, and they recovered all that, that was taken. But I find it interesting. David's strength did not come. I was talking to someone the other day. And I was like, how did, David, how did David strengthen himself in the Lord? And this person said, well, I think he got the ephod and he inquired of the Lord. And I'm like, no, it doesn't say that. It says he strengthened himself in the Lord, then he inquired of the Lord. Okay, so his strength did not come from the promise of a good outcome. It came from something else. But, that, but when he strengthened himself in the Lord, it actually gave him the, the, uh, it gave him the audacity to ask the question, hey, God, sh- should we go get our stuff? Should we go after our stuff? At that point, he had the, he had the strength and the courage to, to ask the question, God, should we, go, should we go get our stuff back, right? Because strength or courage had already been put in. Let me tell you something about Ziklag. No one likes Ziklag. I don't know if you've ever been in a Ziklag. I don't know if you are in a Ziklag. Ziklags are not easy places to be, <laughs> right? But here's the thing. God doesn't waste anything. God used Ziklag along with all the other things that David had gone through to prepare him to be the king of Israel, okay? God needed, God actually needed a king that would strengthen himself in the Lord. He wanted a king who was in power that would strengthen himself in the Lord, who would inquire of the Lord himself. And God, listen, God doesn't cause all the problems in our lives. Like he's not the thief, he's good. But he can sure use these things in our lives to cause us to become mature in him, to, that we would become strong in him, okay? Let me read this, let me read this scripture. James chapter one, verses two through four. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet ver- trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or perseverance. And steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing, Point number five that I want to give you today is realize that a promise gives pain a purpose. A promise gives pain a purpose. Listen, if you're going through something hard, you might as well give it a purpose. Like, this is hard anyway. I'm going to just assign this pain a purpose, right? According to James 1 and 2, you, you, when we go through trials of any kind, various kinds, it could, be, it could be trials that you created of yourself, you know? It was like your fault. But you're going through a trial. Listen, God is producing perseverance, Perseverance is producing, when it, ha- when it has its full effect, it's, it's going to make you perfect, complete, and lacking nothing in the Lord. Here's the deal, and here's why this is so important. God cannot place something weighty on a weak foundation. And he's trying to build your foundation so that he can place something weighty on it. What are we asking God for? We're asking God, we want to have dreams. We want to step out and do the things he's called us to do, right? I want to walk in an anointing. 
I want to I wanna touch the city for Jesus. What do you, what do you want? You're asking, I, I assume you're probably asking for something weighty. You're probably asking for something big, right? Is, am I the only one asking for something weighty, for something big on my life? But God can't place something weighty on a weak foundation. This is why, at times, he will use the things in our lives to actually strengthen us. When we go through a trial, we are strengthened when we, when we strengthen ourselves in the Lord, when we put courage in. And, and listen, God doesn't cause all these things to happen in our lives, but he will use them to make us strong in him. That's a good word for someone right there. John 10.10 10 says, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus has come to bring life and life abundantly. So he's not stealing, killing, destroying, but he will certainly use those things that the enemy meant for evil and he'll turn them for good, right? So let it have its process in you to change you. Listen, here at City Life Church, we're huge on community. Community's big. As I mentioned at the beginning, I don't think you're gonna get where you're going without the right people around you. I think God has called us to be in community. Community is so important, you should never do life alone. But there are times when you don't have anyone around you to put courage in. And I would say that's even sometimes by design. I think God, even when people would otherwise come in, God will actually remove those people from the equation because he wants you to fight a battle yourself. He actually wants to win. He wants you to win some of these by yourself with him. Right? If we're so dependent on other people for our strength, for our courage, I think God in his wisdom and his infinite wisdom at times will let us go through something with just ourselves so that we can learn how to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Otherwise, we never learn how to do it. Amen? He wants to put something weighty on your life, but he can't put something weighty on a weak foundation. <clears throat> Sometimes God doesn't want you to be rescued. Sometimes he wants to show you that he can rescue you, he can strengthen you in himself with you by yourself. Amen? This is how we grow in maturity. This is one of the huge ways how we grow in maturity. All right, we'll go ahead and put up those, those five points and I'll pray. How do you strengthen yourself in the Lord? Number one, remember God's promises. Huge remember God's promises. Number two, realize praise is a weapon. Number three, remember your testimonies. It points at a trajectory in your life. Maybe you've only been serving the Lord for a year, but you have a year of trajectory to look at, Right? And even, you could probably even say in your BC days, your before Christ days, that you even saw the hand of God a few times before you were even a Christian. So remember your testimonies. It points on a trajectory. Point number four, pray in the Spirit. I would say pray always and always, but especially pray in the Holy Spirit. Number, self-serve courage right there. Number five, realize that a promise gives pain a purpose. If you're going through something painful, just give it a purpose. <laughs> you might as well give it a purpose. Let it do something. Amen? All right. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Why don't you guys stand on your feet? I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you. You've called us to be a courageous people. And uh, to the best I can, Lord, I want to give everyone a push today. You know, push off the cliff there. And uh, Father, I thank you that you have called us to be courageous. I pray, Lord God, we would be a church, Lord God, obviously, that gives strength and encourages and prophesies over one another, builds one another up. This is one of the reasons why we come together. But God, I also pray that we would be a people, Lord, that can strengthen ourselves in the Lord when there's no one else around to strengthen us, when there's no one else around us to pull ourselves up, Lord. And I pray we would count every trial, Lord, 
as a way to grow and to be strengthened in you, God. That you would make our foundation so firm, Lord God, that you can trust us with the dreams and visions that you've given us, Lord. So I just bless everyone with that. I pray that over one today. In Jesus' name.